The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. The Gospel of the Lord. With only a few exceptions, whenever I've been in town for my birthday, my family and I go to a very particular restaurant with a familiar menu that we really hardly look at, surrounded by memories of sports team parties and previous family birthday dinners. During this most recent one, I ate precisely the correct amount of slices of pizza and enjoyed basically the right amount of conversation. And so as the receipt came, we came up against kind of the typical time to kind of close up shop, and I was satisfied, even to the point of being tempted to say, I'm done. But some of, the other, some of my other family members were not done. And so, unfortunately, I started fading. Responses in the conversation with stories slowly deteriorated to just sentences, and then further deteriorated to words, and then further deteriorated to some sort of head motion, desperately trying to acknowledge that I was listening, at least on some level, to the conversation. It was tough not to start grumbling, which I was tempted to do, especially as our water glasses had long since stopped being refilled. In just a few minutes, I had forgotten the joy of eating this great food, and of being with family, let alone having a sense of gratitude for this whole birthday dinner that, again, was all for me. The fear, though, at that time that was kind of overriding that sense of gratitude or that sense of joy was related to the question that perhaps many of you have experienced in some similar uh, occasion like that, how much longer can this go on? Now, just before our first reading, we hear of how God had opened 
or parted the Red Sea, rescuing the Israelites from the oncoming Egyptian army. The Israelites sing a hymn of praise that comes in Exodus chapter 15, quite literally right before our first reading, saying like our responsorial psalm that God had brought them to his holy dwelling. Now, just weeks later, after this incredible manifestation of God's power, the Israelites are grumbling, surely asking, as they're in the desert now, how much longer can this go on? They go so far as to suggest that they would be better off still enslaved in Egypt, because at least they'd have their pots of meat kind of handed to them, as opposed to trusting in God, who they feel must have forgotten about them. So often we may feel as if God has forgotten about us, particularly just weeks or months after significant conversion moments or profound encounters with him. The initial fire of experiencing God's saving work, God's love, subsides, and we can then feel like God has forgotten about us. The temptation then surfaces to return to those familiar comforts, even if we know they can't satisfy us for very long. Those familiar comforts are what St. Gregory of Nyssa, in his classic, The Life of Moses, sees as those flesh pots of Egypt. Because for us, the Exodus journey in many ways is an image of our own spiritual lives. So much like the Israelites, we can begin grumbling, even returning to former comforts or sinful ways. Now in response, God sends down manna for the Israelites to eat. For 40 years, the Israelites would be sustained by this miraculous bread from heaven, bread that the Book of Wisdom will later say catered to the individual tastes of each of the Israelites, often tasting like honey, a foretaste of the promised land that they would enter. Yet this miraculous bread from heaven, the bread of angels, was mainly just sustenance to help prevent them from returning to those flesh pots of Egypt. Similarly, Father Brian highlighted last week in his homily that the Eucharist brings healing. One significant way is through healing of those venial sins. As our Lord's real presence enters into our hearts, we are forgiven and healed of those times of turning ever so slightly away from God. Those could be moments of grumbling in the car or at a restaurant, moments of ingratitude, as well as moments of omission when we could have taken time to pray, to do an act of charity, or to fast from something. Receiving our Lord's presence in the Eucharist brings that healing from venial sins, but also points to a yet greater or deeper form of healing. Jesus, in this Bread of Life discourse, is trying to get the crowd to see that the bread multiplied, as we heard in last week's Gospel, as well as the manna that the Israelites received, are both pointing to something greater. Something beyond just freedom from venial sins or those flesh pots of Egypt, from moments of an empty stomach that could lead to grumbling. Rather, that our desire itself could be satisfied. So returning to that birthday dinner, what if I hadn't started fading? Perhaps a similar fear would have crept in, but in a much different way. I may still have asked, How much longer can this go on? Not out of tiredness, but really out of wonder. 
A similar anxiety may have settled in, much like can settle in with prayer, when we may have kind of a whole game plan for what we're going to do after prayer, and then suddenly we recognize that the Lord's nudging us to stick with Him for a few more minutes. This points then to the possible fear we can experience from time to time, that God may actually expand our capacity to hunger for His presence. The fear that when we're ready to say to God, I'm done, He may and often does respond, are you sure? When Jesus mentions that the work of God is to believe in him, this belief of course means accepting that he is divine, truly present in this bread from heaven he's teaching about that we experience in this Eucharist, and of course trying to follow his commandments. Yet this belief also extends to letting our hunger grow so that we can keep receiving food that endures for eternal life. We can keep receiving grace, even beyond those moments when we feel like we're done. A food or real presence that then propels us beyond the fear that we may have more to give others, and also the fear that there's always more we can receive from God. The fear of believing in God to the point of being unsure of how far he wants to lead us, of how deep that divine love for us actually goes. In other words, we give thanks for this true bread from heaven that brings healing not only from our moments of turning away from God, but also gradually from our fear of being filled to overflowing. By receiving this bread from heaven, we are, of course, filled with this true presence of God, a presence that fills us in a way that can heal the fear of wanting more, replacing it with the joy that there is more. Joy that by believing in Jesus Christ, even our desires themselves can be healed and transformed so that we'll somehow be satisfied and ready for more at the same time, even into eternity.